podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. It's the moment of the evening every K-State fan enjoys. Settle down and pour a whiskey, crack open a LaCroix. Please put your hands together and make a little noise for your favorite wildcatters, the handsome Bosco boys. Boom, the boys are back. The boys are back for episode 501. Uh, Last episode was episode 500. I didn't talk about it uh, when I recorded the show, mainly because uh, I I knew it it was the 500th episode. just wasn't on my mind when we recorded. Um, So while on Twitter, I I was able to thank uh, some folks. I I do want to take episode 501 um, just a quick, quick second to thank a handful of folks before we get into the uh, Tulane Q and A, all the questions, and this will probably be <laughs> the most fun of uh, the show uh, before having to answer the questions because folks were angry. I understand why, uh, not not a lot of fun questions to answer, but hey, it is what it is. So uh, first and foremost, I want to thank Grant. Uh, Grant was the co-founder, long time. Uh, co-host. Everyone knows Grant. Um, he was the one uh, who actually, you know, kind of got the ball rolling on Bosco's boys. Um, he did the very first show, which was a test episode himself. Uh, you know, everyone's heard the stories now. Uh, I, I wanted to try to get a podcast going with Kellis Robinette under the name Bosco's boys uh, with the idea of, oh, it's a journalist and a fan. Um, Kellis laughed at me. He didn't think, uh, much of it, but Hey, now he's having to do a podcast with the Kansas city star and this thing is rolling big time. But Grant reached out to me cause we, we had talked about it before and he said, Hey, let's, let's do it. Let's start this up during this NCAA basketball, uh, run. Uh, I think he said it after that Creighton game. And I said, okay, well I'll do it, but only if we beat Loyola Chicago or only if we beat, uh, uh, Maryland, Baltimore County, because I, I don't want to talk about, you know, a, a game versus 16 see if we turn around and lose that. So sure enough, the first actual episode was, uh, so episode three, which was the first real content that we put out, was a preview of that Kentucky game. Then we had a couple instant reaction shows. We both flew down to Atlanta for that game versus Loyola, Chicago, while that didn't go great. Um, that's how it started. So, uh, I'll always be grateful uh, for Grant, and we'll get Grant on again uh, here this football season to talk as well. But first and foremost, you know, always for these anniversary big milestone episodes, I'm going to thank Grant. Uh, next, I want to thank Andrew, uh, who reached out to us early on in the show, back when it was the All uh, Armchair All American Network, uh, then down to uh, just Armchair, uh, lots of different names, but now it's Sports Strength. That's our network. Andrew reached out to us. He gave us a chance to make this show uh, professional. And you guys had to listen to us talk about Blue Chew and all sorts of crazy different sponsors. Uh, and it, it's all because of Andrew that we were able to really get this thing up and going monetary and turn this into a professional endeavor. I want to thank Will over at To The Ville who's been doing, I think, basically for three-fourths of the life of this show, been doing graphics, doing some merch doing all sorts of fun stuff for us. I want to give a shout out to the 1012 Network. Our official relationship is very new as they came under the sports drink umbrella and that partnership started. Um, but I love I love Philip and I like all, like all the shows over there, so I'm, I'm grateful to be able to interact with all of them. I want to give a shout out to Gene Taylor, Taylor Bratt, two guys at K-State who have become super recurring guests. Um, I want to give a shout out to Derek Young, Matt Hall, Grant Flanders, uh, Cole Manbeck, John Kurtz, Flando, uh, Drew Galloway, and of course, Jimmy, a.k.a. KSU underscore fan. These guys have all come on the show, I think, close to 10 times a piece. M- maybe not that many, but they've all come on quite a bit, and they're absolutely awesome. Um there's a lot more folks, a lot of folks, uh, specific guests I could think. I don't want to, you know, keep going down the list and miss anyone. 
but also first, and then the biggest thank you is to the Boneheads, the folks listening to the show. Without all of you, uh, it probably wouldn't have made it to 100 episodes. Actually, it might have. I, I enjoy doing this. I know Grant did for the longest time back when he had a lot more free time. Um, and, and if I didn't enjoy doing this, uh, we would have killed off the show. Um, are we going to do another 500? I don't know. I, I don't know if it'll go. I don't know if we'll see Bosco's Boys 1000. Uh, but we're not stopping anytime soon. We have <laughs> still 75% of the football season to talk about. A very exciting basketball season uh, to talk about. And then, uh, hey, some of our best shows happen in the offseason. So I just wanted to thank everyone again. This is episode 501. Uh, I just wanted to, because we do have a bigger portion of the show that is not on Twitter, uh, that, that didn't get to see me properly thank a lot of folks who have played a massive role in Bosco's Boys getting to 500 episodes. So we're going to get into the Q&A, uh, all the questions. Um, and uh, before we do, remember Bosco's Boys is sponsored by Manhattan Brewing Company. They're absolutely awesome. Uh, just because it's a road game uh, doesn't mean you shouldn't make your way out to Manhattan. The volleyball team has a home game. I think soccer's at home as well this week. So stop in there. Have a couple pints. Hell, maybe even watch the Oklahoma game right down there in downtown Manhattan. Uh, and then when you leave, always grab a couple four-packs. I promise it, you. You're going to want the freshest, most delicious beer in the entire state of Kansas and region. And... Unless you're like super wealthy and you pay for Manhattan Brewing Company to move into your residence, that's the best way to have it outside of the tap room. So grab a couple four packs and make sure you're always following them on social media uh, to know what's going on because they always have some good stuff. All right, uh, Bob Trollsby is going to kick us off. What are we doing on offense? Now, uh, there's a lot of questions like that. Uh, and. I'm going to try not to repeat a lot of questions. If I do, I'm just going to say, you know, hey, I already talked about it. But I talked about it in the review. I'm, I'm still, you know, I'm recording this on uh, Monday. I, I'm still frustrated. I, I'm still kind of confused at what's going on. I think really, and watching back some of it, I, I, I think some of the schemes were just straight up wrong. I, I think some of the personnel is also super wrong, like, there was one time Ben Sennett and uh, I think it was man who and Christian Moore. Two of those guys were completely split out wide outside of the numbers at wide receiver. We need to stop doing that with Ben Sennett. Um, some of the play calling was bad. A lot of the execution was bad. It, it was one of the most disappointing offensive line performances uh, in the Connor Riley era. Uh, plenty of the blend to go around. Uh and again, you know, if if you were going to bring in Adrian Martinez, you knew what makes him great. And I feel like we've clipped his wings. We've neutered him a little bit. I understand trying to uh, preach not turning the ball over. But if you're, you, you don't go out and get a guy like Adrian Martinez in the transfer portal if you're not going to let him cut loose and ball out a little bit. Like, I understand, hey, clean up the turnovers, all that type of stuff. But we have not seen the type of guy who holds all these records at Nebraska. And I'm afraid it's because we neutered him or because he got it so in his head that, oh, I can't turn the ball over, can't turn the ball over. I don't know if that is a uh, coaching thing or I don't know what's going on, but something needs to change. We need him to flip that switch to go a little bit more, uh, you know, gunslinger baller mode, uh, be able to just scramble, make plays with the legs, not worry about any of that type of stuff. We need him to play with a little bit more reckless abandon because that's what makes Adrian Martinez great. Um, we'll see if that happens. Uh, if it doesn't, I, I think we're going to be in for a super long season. Um, so th that's just kind of what the offense is right now. If Deuce Vaughn isn't able to make some cuts and hit some home runs, I mean, we saw it happen versus Tulane. The Bowl 1856. We're a basketball school now, aren't we? No, that's... That's not what K-State is ever going to be. Not because we, we dislike basketball, but that's just not what the K-State fan base has ever been. You know, I, I think that maybe early on in the Bill Snyder era, we were content not doing much in basketball and just 
being great at football. And obviously, pre-Bill Snyder, there was a lot of uh, indifference towards football because, hey, we were up and running in basketball. But we, we, we've seen that you can have both programs up and running at a high level at once. I mean, my four years at K-State, we went to a bowl all four years. We went to the NCAA tournament all four years. We won a Big 12 title in both sports at once. And, and, and this might be kind of more of like, oh, excitement for basketball and now uh, ha- having to take a little bit of medicine and have to sober up a little bit on this football season. But that's not what K-State fans are. Again, people can say whatever they want about the end of the Bruce Weber era, but it was never indifference. It was never uh, complacency or anything like that. Yeah, folks stopped showing up to Bramlage, but every single game... You logged on to Twitter, you logged on to message boards, you saw fans melting down, being pissed off about it. So you never stopped caring about basketball, never going to stop worrying or caring about football. Yeah, super fucking disappointing game. And yeah, super excited for basketball. But K-State is never going to be a athletic department that only cares about one of them. I think it is one of very few athletic departments in the entire nation that truly is 100% bought in fan support. Not always fan support, but fan emotion, fan passion behind both sports. And and I I don't ever want to see that happen. Or I I don't ever want to see that go away. Uh, Kenny Burris asks, any way we don't get steamrolled in Norman without purple Kool-Aid? Look, I'm definitely not drinking the purple Kool-Aid. I'm pretty... Not pretty. I'm very disappointed in what happened uh, on Saturday. But here's the thing. In the Chris Kleiman era, this is the worst Oklahoma team we've, we've faced. We've been in the game all three times we've played Oklahoma, and we've won two of them. We're 2-1 we're and one versus Oklahoma in the Chris Kleiman era. We've won three out of the last five games in Norman. There are 9- and 10-year-olds who are Oklahoma fans who have a losing record to K-State and Norman. You know? So I, I don't think it even requires Purple Kool-Aid to say uh, we, we can compete in that game. If we play our A game and Oklahoma plays their B game, we, we're, we'll beat them. We will beat them. If we are playing a full grade above what Oklahoma brings to the table, we will beat them. And and let's just call a spade a spade. Oklahoma has not played any team that would beat even South Dakota, that would beat Missouri, that would beat Tulane. Now, they are more talented than us. We know that. On paper, of course. And we're coming off of getting our asses kicked, at least on offense. We got our ass kicked by... Tulane. So I'm not telling you to be confident. I'm not even telling you to bet K-State on the spread, which is up to like 14 points. I'm not telling you any of that. We could get steamrolled, but it's not this impossible task. I understand the emotions were running high Saturday, and folks listening to this might be thinking to yourself, fuck off, Scott. We're, we're about to get steamrolled. Like, you can have that opinion. Like, that's fine. I'm not telling you not to. But I, I don't think it takes purple Kool-Aid to say that this could be a game on Saturday. There's no reason to think it's impossible to win that one. Zach Llewellyn asks, concern meter for this team going forward? I mean, it's, I mean, it, it depends on what, uh, what your expectations were. If, if you thought we were going to go undefeated, like, okay, 10, um, it's at a six. I mean, it's pretty high. <laughs> I mean, it's pretty high. It, my concern meter is pretty high because I, I did have us. My official prediction was 10-2 and two and going to Arlington. Um, and and if, if the goal is to get to Arlington, uh, which was the fan goal, again, media folks, some folks had the, had us as a dark horse or a couple people who picked us to win it. But, again, the preseason poll had us at five. We never broke into the top 25, anything like that. So, were, were fan expectations too high? Maybe, but that's what's, what being a fan's all about. Uh, you get smoked versus Oklahoma, it's going to go up to a 7, and then it's really going to come down to how we compete versus Texas Tech. If we lose to Texas Tech, it's a 10. 
Um, and the season's over. Uh, and you don't want that. But right now it's a six. I mean, it's it's beyond the halfway point on the concern meter. It, it, it is a six. Uh, H. Sturvin. Is Adrian's arm dead? It looks like it takes everything he has to throw the ball 10 yards. It might be. It might be. Uh, I mean, I, I think the surgery probably took more than we realized. Um, I, but I've also seen him make overthrows on short on short throws as well. I think that he's just really in his own head um, trying not to turn, o- turn the ball over, trying not to uh, hurt the team. Uh, but his arm definitely is not probably, I think he's probably still getting used to his arm post-surgery. So, uh, you know, I, I think there's something to it. I'm not willing to say it's dead, but but something's going on. Kenny Burst asks, why do you not try someone else at quarterback? I mean, I think it's pretty simple. Adrian Martinez's game, as bad as it was versus Tulane, would have been the third best quarterback rating game of Will Howard's career. Will Howard is not the answer. And I know everyone wants to say Jake Rubley, Jake Rubley, Jake Rubley. And there might be some questions about it specifically. I, I can't remember if I edited those out or not. But are we really accusing the coaching staff of being so blind to just com- to just rock with Adrian Martinez if Jake Rubley or Will Howard were truly a viable option? To take his place. I am not willing to. And again I was critical of the coaching staff. I was critical of Adrian Martinez. I'm sure I will be with some of these answers later. But I'm not willing to accept. That. They are so blindly loyal. To Adrian Martinez. A guy who showed up in the spring. Uh. That they would sabotage the team because there is someone who is so obviously good enough to give us a chance to win. Now, I'm willing to say, okay, toss Jake Rubley out there. Maybe he, maybe it's a gamer. Maybe it's just a different look, and things might have gone different versus Tulane. Maybe, maybe. But I, I just have a hard time seeing this staff being like, nope, we're, we're riding and dying with Adrian Martinez, knowing that Jake Rubley or Will Howard are capable of winning games that Adrian is not. I, I'm just not there yet. I'm just personally not there yet. H.T. Uh, Servin, man, I'm sorry, I'm butchering it, but uh, how many games can this elite defense support this offense? They, I mean, here's the thing. We're going to really see a test versus Oklahoma. Oklahoma's going to be three times the offense anyone we've seen so far but the defense is good enough to keep this team in almost every single game we played this season that's why if you can figure out a way to start doing something on offense if you can find some sort of passing game if you can unlock something on this offense the season is not lost and even if you lose to Oklahoma Oklahoma is the most talented team in the Big 12 it's not even close you know, Baylor is not looking quite what we thought they would be. Oklahoma State has had some warts as well, especially on their defense. At least first teams with a pulse. Texas might be better than I thought they were, but here's the thing. if Even if you lose to Oklahoma, the, the Big 12 is still open enough that if your offense can figure something out in October and November... You can still end up, you know, with a, a shot at nine and three, eight and four, probably not ten and two. I don't have us running the table, but going nine and three. If you go seven and two in conference play, you're going to have a shot at being in Arlington. And I think the defense is elite enough that hey, all it's going to take is a couple big plays a game, a couple drives a game. You get to 28 points, 31 points in any given Big 12 game. I like our chances of winning. Now, that's a lot of points, especially coming off of a 10-point performance. Especially, Well, hell, I mean, you know, 31 is a lot of points, even seeing what we did to South Dakota and Missouri. I I get it, but I think this defense is good enough that that there are not going to be a lot of teams that score in the 30s versus us. So that's what... That's my uh, answer there. 
Andy Thomas, 84, asks, could Chauncey have gotten the first down, or would he have gotten, gone for it, uh, gone for the first down with 2.07 to go with uh, fourth and seven? So basically asking about that final fourth down play. Chauncey would have gone for it. I would have gone for it. That's still, to this day, a few days removed, is still the most puzzling thing about that game. And again, it almost worked out for Chris Kleiman. I get it. I get it. It almost worked out. But with as much as you went for it on fourth down, and with that shovel pass call on third down, you can't be doing that type of stuff if you haven't already decided you're going to go for it on fourth down. None of that makes sense to me. Nothing about that third down play call and then the fourth down deciding to punt, none of that made sense to me at all. No, no, that's that's gonna bother me probably all my rest of the year. College football ninety nine, uh, pathetic play calling and gameplay on offense. Adrian's not the answer. This was supposed to be a year where we compete. We'll be lucky to go seven six. We are stuck. What are the chances we see Will or Rubley again? I'm not there yet. I I I, I understand that this question came super uh, heated right after the game. What are the chances we see Will or Rubley? I think there. I think there's no chance. I think if you if you see either one of them play meaningful downs, Adrian Martinez either got hurt or the season's done. There, there, there is no way they are going to unless they're missing something. Unless they're missing something in practice, and I'm not there. Um, but I just have a hard time seeing them do that. Well, I don't know. I don't know. If you are if you are to the point where you're saying we truly would be lucky to go 7 and 6. If that is where K-State fans are right now, truly lucky to go 7 and 6, then yeah, you play one of those two guys and try to figure out what you have before Avery Johnson comes in. I'm just not there yet. Especially with this defense, I am not there yet. But I understand. I I'm not I'm not sitting here and saying people are wrong to be this frustrated after we saw what happened on Saturday. That's not my place to tell you guys you're wrong. I'm just not at the point where I'm saying we'd be lucky to go 7-6. and six. But here's the thing. To, to that question, will what are the chances we see Will or Jake? I think they're for meaningful snaps, for non-garbage snaps, I think it's next to zero unless you do get to the point where the coaches throw the towel in on this season. Uh, from college football 199 again what will it take to overhaul the offense it's the same old story year in year out uh relaying or relating on our defense while our offense is barely hanging on i think that meant to say re uh relying here's the thing that's not true (laughs) that is factually not true uh k-state's offense was much better than the defense last year in Big 12 play when you look at the advanced statistics. We were the third or fourth best offense in almost every single advanced statistic measure last year on offense. So, like, I get it. No one liked Courtney Messingham. I, I understand. But the advanced stats, when you look at per play and per drive stats with Courtney Messingham, he was way better. Like, the, the offense was way better than it was this year. If we had that offense this year, we would have blown Tulane out of the water. We would have we we, we wouldn't we, we would have scored more we would have scored at least one more touchdown versus Missouri. Um I understand. Again, this is this is not going to be me saying we shouldn't have fired Courtney Messingham. I think he had lost the confidence not only of fans but of players in the locker room with the game versus Texas. I get it. That was a bad game. It, it was really bad. Uh, but when you when you truly look at when you take a step back and see what we did per play and per drive, substantially better than what we've seen from Colin Klein in the first three games. So so everyone trying to say, oh, when are we ever going to have a good offense? Blah 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 blah, all that type of stuff. You may not have liked it, but it was a pretty darn efficient and good offense last year. I know people don't like hearing that. It is what it is. Alex Brown, six. Originally, I thought we were a 10-win team. Now, I think the ceiling has moved to seven. Should fans be worried about making a bowl game? 
The ceiling is not seven wins. With this defense, the ceiling is not seven wins. Um, this kind of goes back to one of those previous questions. Would would we be lucky to get to seven and six? If, if you truly think that thing, yes, you should be worried about making a bowl game. 100%. If that is where your head's at, if that's where your heart is, then yes, you should be worried. I'm, I'm still not there. And again, we, we could get rolled by Oklahoma on Saturday, and I would not be nearly as confident as I am right now, but it, you still have Texas Tech. You still, I, you still have, this is the toughest game on your schedule at Oklahoma. Every other game on the schedule is going to be easier than this one. So even if we do, if the worst case scenario happens on Saturday, results-wise, I'm still not going to sit here and say the ceiling is seven wins. I'm st- I'm still not prepared to say that. Now, if we if we lay an egg and if we have a stinker versus Texas Tech, then yeah, yeah, it's time to panic. It's time to start playing the young guys. You have to start being on watch for you know players to start opting out for the season. We start seeing that culture that we've we've all been told is so great this year. You, you look at that maybe starting to show some cracks. Because there's Texas Tech will have no business beating you at home in October, even if it is an 11 a.m. game. So if things go bad for that game, then yeah, I'm panicking. Uh, but I'm not there yet. Is uh, From Alex Brown 6, is this the year KU breaks their losing streak to K-State? Again, it kind of goes hand in hand. I, I'm i not willing to go there. Again, I, I think Houston is a fine team. But, I mean, they, they had to go to quadruple overtime with UTSA. They went. They played uh, this super close game and lost to a, a Texas Tech team I don't think is very good. They, they beat a really bad West Virginia team. Again, they might beat Duke and be in the top 25 next week. That's fine. But again, I still haven't seen anything from KU that makes me think we're going to lose to them in Bill Snyder Family Stadium at the end of the season. I still am not to the point where I, I, I'm, I've mailed it in. I understand why you guys are asking these questions. I've probably said it a million times. Um, is there a chance? Like, I, I went on uh, Andy Mitz's KU show, the Rock Jock Podcast, and I, th- I said that there was zero chance that KU wins this game, and I'd be shocked if they kept it within one possession. Uh, I said that back in August. I'm not saying there's zero chance, and I'm not, and, and I wouldn't be shocked if they kept within one possession at this point. But again, you're only 25% through the season, and I, I'm just not prepared to go there yet. Uh, from Kale 5 I've noticed Martinez has a lot of time to throw, but we can't uh, see the whole field. Is it one Martinez can't find the open man? Two our receivers aren't open because they're bad. Three, they aren't open because the play calling is bad, or four, all of the above. I think everyone, I think the wide receivers, the play calling, the coaching, and Adrian Martinez, all four aspects have their share of the blame for the lack of explosiveness, lack of reliability in the passing game. But I'm going to say this. I I don't have access to the All-22 film and I'm really bad about trying to watch the wide receivers downfield during a passing play. I think it is very easy for fans to see after an incomplete pass, Malik Knowles walking back towards the huddle by himself and seeing no one around them being like, oh, he must have been wide open. And again, I'm not I'm not watching them to say definitively, oh, he, he was wide open. Because um, I can't tell you that. I, I will say some of the times I've watched the wide receivers where there's been frustration and strife about them not throwing up the seam. It's like, yeah, the guy has the inside, but there's a safety over the top. You know, I I, I don't think that the wide receiver routes are as great as people are thinking. I don't think they're as open as people are thinking. That said, you're playing power five college football. You have a quarterback, and if you're playing football, if you're playing quarterback at this level, you need to be able to put it into some tight windows. If you're playing football at this level, you need to be able to run routes, get open, and when there's a contested ball and you get your hands on it, you need to catch it, and you need to come down in bounds. When you're going up against the sideline, you need to to come down in, in bounds. When it hits you in both your hands, you can't be dropping the ball. I think there's plenty of blame. I think, you know, 
I think it's all of the above. But I do think everyone is making every issue out to be a bigger deal than it is. That said, these aren't intramurals. This is Big 12 football. So you need your players to make the plays. So I get it. Uh, college football, 199 again. In my opinion, he has to be benched. Okay, so this is another Adrian Martinez thing. Uh, your opinion is known. Um, you don't bench him if you still have any ambition, any hope of trying to make noise in the Big 12. That's my opinion. If you have any, If you want any shot of making any noise in the Big 12, you need to be pulling for Adrian Martinez to figure it out because we know for a fact Will Howard doesn't have it. And I don't think Jake Rubley, I don't think that you can, Jake Rubley has not passed Will Howard on the depth chart. He's playing because they're trying to keep Will Howard's red shirt alive. So Jake Rubley hasn't passed Will Howard. And we know Will Howard can't win Big 12 football games. So I, I don't know who you want to play at quarterback. Cameron Hale asks, how many times did Adrian Martinez... Adrian Martinez make the wrong play. I can think of at least four. Uh, Do we rebound versus Oklahoma, or is this time to admit we aren't nearly as good as we thought? I I would bet that almost every single quarterback is wrong at least four times a game. So I'm betting he was wrong more often. But again, that's college football. You you need him to be better. You need Adrian Martinez to be better, but again... Um, going to what some other folks are talking about, wanting to bench him for J- I, I don't see that as a viable long-term option if you want to make noise this season. Um, do we rebound versus Oklahoma? We can. We, we 100% can. We have played them tough all three times in the Chris Kleiman era. We're th- we've won three out of the last five games played in Norman, Oklahoma. We 100% can rebound. Um I think we can admit that we aren't as good as we probably hoped we'd be, 100%. Even if you look past Tulane, I think we all thought that, hey, you could win your clunkers. We couldn't turn it on. Now, the defense is legit, 100% legit. The defense is the real deal. The offense, there's no way, there's no world in which we can say that this year's version of the offense is better than, than what we had last year when Skylar Thompson was the quarterback. There's no chance. Uh, this is terrible, awful, mean, and stupid question, but is Klein going to Scott Frost this coaching gig? Well, some of the stuff you're hearing about Scott Frost is he was an absentee guy and he really had no desire to do what it takes to be great. I think Colin Klein is an incredibly intelligent human being. I think Colin Klein... Uh, played under some very great coaches and coached with some pretty good coaches. I think Colin Klein is going to be putting in the effort. I think Colin Klein is going to try to improve. I think that if reports are to be believed, Scott Frost thought that because he was the native son returning home, he could be Midas with the golden touch and fix everything. And he didn't have to put the effort in. There's, there's nothing I have heard about Colin Klein that would make that even comparable to Scott Frost. Not even close. Now, the native son, the star quarterback coming home and failing, that is something that is very real. Again, I, I, I've talked about it. I said that, hey, I really want Colin Klein to succeed because I don't want to have to fire someone who has his name up on the stadium again. You know, we've done it twice Firing Bill Snyder, firing Sean Snyder. I don't want to fire Colin Klein. I don't want him to fail. None of us do. And he's learning. This is He's four games in as an offensive coordinator, only three games in as a full-time guy. It's not good enough. He's not getting a passing grade. But he's a smart guy. He's a hard worker. He's a driven guy. So I don't think it's comparable to what Scott Frost did as a head coach at Nebraska at all. But he but he has a failing grade right now. But I don't think it's due to lack of trying trying or mailing it in. Because like I said, if any of the if even half of what is being said about Scott Frost's tenure at Nebraska is true, uh 
the, the guy never once really gave a shit. And I promise you, Colin Klein works hard and he cares. He gives a shit. Colin Klein may get fired as the offensive coordinator one day at K-State. He could never turn it around and just be an absolute failure of an offensive coordinator. I can't see into the future. I'd like to think he won't. But it won't be because he didn't try or put in the effort. Or he wasn't smart enough. It just wouldn't. It just might not work out. Now there's eight games left this season. Plus a possible bowl game. I don't know. I, I if, you, if, you, if you put a gun to my head, I would say that things will get better by the end of the season. But we'll see. Derek Lynn asks, what the fuck was that? Thank you. I, I don't know. I mean, it, it was an embar- I mean, it's the it's the worst loss since the Vanderbilt game, without a doubt. Without a doubt, it was the most painful loss since the Vanderbilt game. A suburban legend. This quarterback seems to be damaged goods. If you can't throw down the field or QB run, then bye-bye. I, I mean... My opinion's already been said. I, I don't know if he's damaged goods. I don't know if he's injured. I don't know what it is, but I just I I don't know. Maybe I would. Maybe we'll see some Jake Rubley versus Oklahoma, and we'll, we'll figure out if we have anything there. I just I just have a hard time thinking that anyone is going to give us a better chance to win games right now than Adrian Martinez. Okay, nope. Totally skipping that one. Logan Mance. It's not a question, but this season is through. No, it's not. No, it's not. Um, Guys, if you're going to mail it in, you might think it's through. I, I'm just not... I. I've seen crazier shit happen. I, I've, I've seen things turn around. And hey, maybe we are fucked. Maybe the season is through, but... I just, you only get 12 football games a year. I'm just not going to throw in the white towel uh, after three games. That that sucks. You only get so many college football games. that I just I just couldn't do it. But all the power to you. you, you Logan Mance, you might turn out to be correct. But I'm not there yet. Uh, Jake the Recliner Guy Gordon, what are the two to three biggest things that need to change before Saturday? Nothing on defense. Uh, offensive line needs to be able to communicate, keep their eyes up, and not get beat, physically beat. That's what happened versus Tulane. They were not communicating. They were not keeping their eyes up. That's why the stunts hurt us. That's why we couldn't get up to that second level. That's why there are a few times there was miscommunication on who's going to take what guy, and it blew up plays for two yards when it could have been 20 yards. That's the number one thing. Number two, you need to have Adrian Martinez cut it loose a little bit. Chris Kleiman said it in the post-game press conference. Adrian needs to play with a little bit of confidence. And then if he is playing scared, if he is too worried uh, to turn the ball over, we're not going to win. So he needs to be able to cut it loose, and he needs to be able to play with a little bit of that reckless abandon that made him so electric at Nebraska. And then the the third thing you need to change is, I mean, the I don't know if it's play calling. I don't know what it is, but... You need to be able to figure out how to pick up two yards on demand. When everyone knows when it's third and less than three or fourth and less than three, when the whole world knows what play you're going to run, and I'm not saying that's I'm not saying that's what happened because I think that's far too simple of a take. But you need to be able to, as an offensive line, as a quarterback, and as a running back, be able to say, okay, we can tell you the play, and we're just going to execute, and we're going to out tough you, and we're going to pick up these. Two, three yards. All of that is easier said than done. Skipping over a couple of these questions. uh, Because some of them just, they're repeats and some of them aren't questions. And I understand, people are venting. I'm, I'm still frustrated, but some of them, they're not worth answering. They're not worth having on the air. Um, Caleb Pogue asks, seems to me like the play calls actually weren't the issue, but Adrian Martinez just not wanting to throw the ball downfield resulting in checkdowns. What's it going to take for him to look downfield again? What is your updated final record for the team? I mean, can can you blame the guy? Again, I'm not trying to make excuses because you're a power five quarterback. You have to be able to make these plays. 
These aren't intramurals. This is big boy football. But all he heard at his time at Nebraska is, oh, he made all these plays, but he turned the ball over. Uh, so he's a disaster. Oh, all he has to do is come to K-State, not turn the ball over, and K-State's going to go to Arlington. All this type of stuff. So he's human. I'm sure he's heard all that. Or maybe the coaches have straight up coached it out of him. Uh, it, whatever the case is, they need to fix it. Because, I, again, I, I think especially in those third and short, fourth and short situations, I think the play calling was a disaster and the execution was just as bad, especially at the offensive line. Um but, but, but I, I think in any given play, good execution, good talent can outweigh a bad play call. A bad play call can put your more talented guys in bad situations. Like, there's all this type of stuff, all sorts of chess. It's, it's truly 3D chess playing the game of football. It is, it is, you know, ballet mixed with a UFC fight mixed with, you know, a 100-yard dash mixed with, a UFC chess match, like all this type of stuff. Football is wild. So it's never just one thing. Um, but but there were times Adrian should have let it cut loose. And there were times that the play calling was trash. And there was times where the wide receivers hung him out to dry. It, it is not just one thing. But all of them need to get fixed. Um, will we see Rubley this season? No. Hashtag free Rubley. I'm not. Guys, putting Jake Rubley out there is just admitting that the season's done. Not, I'm not there yet. I, I'm just... And, and, and if we see the same issues versus Oklahoma, then you might see Will Howard out there. You might see Jake Rubley out there. But if we see that, I, it, it's, it's a white flag. And at that point, that's when I, I'll accept, okay, the season's through. Okay, the season's done. Uh, updated prediction, 9-3. Fuck it. Fuck it. Nine and three and we go to Arlington. I, I mean, I don't know. I don't know, guys. <laughs> I don't know what my updated prediction is. I, I mean, eight and four. I mean, I think we can go five and three. I, I still don't see any reason. Uh, yeah, no, six and three. I see no reason why we can't go six and three in the Big 12 right now. The defense is that good. Uh, CJ Kirsch, how do you cope after a loss? I don't know. I try to take some deep breaths and calm down, find some sort of uh, I either, you know, highlight or make some sort of joke about the game. Like I was I was getting jokes off about, you know, the uniforms and the old people uh, hating the uniforms after that game. I mean, that's how I cope. It sucks. I'm obviously still not over it. Uh, it, it, it was a really deflating game. Uh, Colton asks, it seems after year we seem to play, or year after year we seem to play down to the quality of opponent when facing lesser teams. Is this something that we need to be looking at uh, our coaching staff for causing, or does it go beyond that? I mean, I was pretty critical of Chris Kleiman in the game uh, review uh, pod. This is three times in four in almost four seasons that we've lost uh, as a 14-point favorite at home. I mean, it starts it starts and ends with the staff. And uh, you can say all this good stuff about the culture and how they're not overlooking people. That's fine. Um, obviously, it was a lie. Obviously, it was wrong. So, yeah, it starts with the coaching staff. I mean, I think they've done a good job of not letting an FCS team get to them. Because that's the level of football Chris Kleiman cut his teeth in. Most of his coaching career there. Same with Joe Klanderman. But, but they need to figure out how to get that through their heads, the heads of the players, when you're playing the two lanes, for playing Arkansas State, playing a bad West Virginia team. You need to get that through their head every single time you're playing one of these teams. Not just an FCS team because that's where you used to coach. Because there's no reason, and lines can be wrong. Should K-State have been a 14-point favorite versus that two-lane team? No. I think that two-lane team was better than I gave them credit for, for sure. But you had no business losing that game. You had no business losing to Arkansas State. You had no business losing to West Virginia in that first year. 
So, yeah, it comes to the coaching staff. It starts with Chris Kleiman. He's done such a great job in playing FCS teams. He needs to figure out whatever he's telling the team uh, when you're playing these G5 teams and the, the worst Big 12 teams on your schedule. Where would you place Tulane amongst Big 12 competition? I mean, I think they would be eighth or better. Eighth or better, they would not finish ninth or tenth. They probably wouldn't finish fifth. So sixth, seventh, or eighth is probably where I'd put them. That was from Jake the Recliner Guy Gordon. We got uh, two more questions left, and then we're going to call it a day. Remember, check out Manhattan Brewing Company. If you're in the state of Kansas and your favorite liquor store isn't carrying Manhattan Brewing Company, cause a scene and tell them to get it in their store. It's that good. But the next time you're in Manhattan, if you want the freshest, if you want the most refreshing, the most delicious beer in the state, check out Manhattan Brewing Company. Go to their brewery. Go to the tap room. Get a couple pints. And always take at least one four back to go. Because unless you're incredibly wealthy and you have them open up a second location in your residence, that's the best way to get the most delicious beer in the state and region in your own home. K-State Dude asks, what is the point of going for it on 4th and 2 and uh, from a 3rd and 10 when we're not going to make the 4th and 2? Why not just pass beyond the sticks on 3rd down? Uh, I mean, they weren't expecting not to make it on 4th and 2. I mean, Chris Kleiman wasn't saying, alright, well, I'm going to go for it even though I'm, I know I'm not going to make it. That's not... That's not his thought process. And again, I liked all of that. I liked it. And even with hindsight being 2020, I would tell them every single time you went forward on fourth down, I would tell them to do it again. I would tell them to do it one more time. Because if you roll the dice again, if you're playing these different scenarios, if you're if you're replaying that game again tomorrow, I think there's a better chance we win by 10 than lose it the way we did again. I think there's a better chance we go closer to perfect from third and fourth and short than going, you know, one of five on fourth down again. I mean, I I know you can't. There is no time machine. There's no way to play out these uh, simulations. But I I think that is the wrong take. If If you have a head coach who's confident in your offense, he played it exactly right. Pick up the big chunk and go for it on fourth down. I I, I still, and, and I think a lot of folks would disagree with me, and that's fine. I think they played the fourth down strategy on offense perfectly, like going for it on fourth down, especially in the instances where you picked up a big chunk and then went for it. Would I prefer them to pick it up on third down? Yeah, that's fine. But I think that the, the strategy was sound. I, I'm fine with how they played it out on fourth. Final one, can Adrian not throw the ball or is he just scared uh, to throw a pick or something? Again, uh, I didn't do a good job editing some of these out. But, again, I think think when you hear constantly, all you have to do is come to K-State and not turn the ball over, you're going to be successful. Then I'm sure the coaches probably have coached them to be overly conservative, which, I mean, hell, Skylar Thompson hardly ever turned the ball over in his time at K-State because – he was coached to be conservative. Uh, when you're going to do all that, there are going to be checkdowns. That you're going to be more cautious with throwing the ball. I think they need to change that. They, they need to empower him to cut the ball loose a little bit. So that's the Q&A, folks. Again, not, not a lot of fun questions. These are not as fun or cheery uh, when, when it's a loss. But guess what? You get double the questions. You get double the questions. So, um yeah, uh, tomorrow we'll begin to preview Oklahoma. Uh, Wednesday also at 7 p.m. We'll be going live on Spotify Green Room uh, or Spotify Live is what it's called now. So download Spotify Live. Uh, Thursday we'll have the Whip Around Show. Friday you'll be able to listen to that live show. So for Chauncey Bosco, for K-State fans, which fans is short for fanatics for a reason, uh, you know, I, I see the message boards. I see Twitter. Sucks after losses, especially devastating losses. But I, I don't know. Just That's just how it goes. Anyone who's acting surprised by it probably is doing so for theater. 
Um, but yeah, so for Chauncey Bosco, for all the K-State fans everywhere, we love you guys. And hey, no loss is ever going to change this. I'm K-State till I die, so go Cats. UK State Wildcats for alma mater fights. Glory in the combat for the purple and the white. Faithful to our colors, we will ever be a fighting, ever fighting for a wildcat victory. Fight, 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 fight. UK State Wildcats for alma mater fight. Podcast Network.